Welcome to It's Always Day One. My name is George Reed, a former Amazonian turned Amazon consultant. Each week on the podcast, you're going to hear industry experts, brand owners, and Amazon employees share their answers to the basic yet fundamental questions you should be asking yourself about your Amazon business. Now, let's jump in. Hello, Melissa. Thank you so much for joining me today on the It's Always Day One podcast. We've just been having a little natter that was quickly rolling into a a long natter, so I thought it was good that we pressed record straight away. Do you want to give us a quick 30-second overview of yourself, and then we can get cracking with a question I've already thought of just from our natter? <laughs> Sounds good. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Melissa Burdick, co-founder of PackView. We're a marketing automation platform adopting retailer APIs like Amazon, Walmart, Instacart, Target, others. And um, really our vision is about unifying the e-commerce ecosystem and driving actionable uh, results, especially through marketing automation. And prior to PackView, I spent 10 years at Amazon where uh, I like to say it was the cheapest MBA that I didn't have to pay for because I was there from a very early, you know, kind of early days of consumables helping to launch the consumables business and the advertising businesses and learned so much about execution, um, how to launch an e-commerce business um, and things like that. So that's a little bit about me. Thank you so much. That, I want to dive into a question because you briefly touched on it beforehand, and it's a topic I find quite interesting around the leadership principles, and we've touched upon them before in the podcast. So do you want to talk to me a little bit about Amazon's leadership principles and what ones you find continuously coming up in your day-to-day life now, perhaps more than they ever did at Amazon? Yeah, You know, I think that it it sounds a little bit like drinking from the Kool-Aid, but when you leave Amazon, you realize uh, that those leadership principles are so good that we've actually adopted a lot of them in our company now. Um, And there are things like, you know, bias for action, think big, um, you know, earning trust. That's so critical in our business is earning trust with our clients and our customers. Um, and customer obsession, which is, you know, their number one, um, thing as well. So I think that those are, you know, those are really big leadership principles for us. Um, being in a, I mean, we're essentially a startup and having bias for action is, is critical because that's actually one of the benefits. We're able to, to be fast and pivot, um, as well. So, there's just so there's so many great things about all those leadership principles. What about you? Which one is was your favorite? It's interesting. Before we when we discussed it, you said about at Amazon, perhaps you weren't thinking too much about them as you are now. You've left, and I was exactly the same in the fact that when I was there and a wee whippersnapper, I was. I didn't take them too seriously. I thought they were just a little bit stupid. To be honest, I was like, why? <laughs> Well, honestly, my manager kept, I'd write something and she'd be like, you've got to use, you've got to make sure you incorporate the leadership principle terms in your communication, George. And I'm like, why? I just, I was like, why do I need to, why do I need to use this term kind of dive deep? Um, and it's only since leaving that it's now kind of started to click more and more that one, they are just great terms for describing something. Um, but two, kind of aligning with other people so they know exactly what you're talking about when you say something. I learned that from speaking to 
Glick and Stefan um, Haney um, on the podcast of you both know what you're talking about when you say mm-hmm. dive deeper and trust. Um, so it's very interesting. For me, I think the, the customer obsession one always rings true. Um, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. If you just always have that at the forefront of your mind, that's great. I do like the fact that you've said about earning trust now. How do you think earning trust, though, comes into play for for sellers or for e-commerce brands? Um, when when uh, You mean in terms of us working with them or... Sorry, no, with their customers, with Amazon themselves, perhaps. So a brand selling on Amazon, mm. there's elements of earning trust with Amazon. There's also an element of earning trust with your own customers, right? Right, I see. Um, well, I think the, the important thing that I learned, especially being at Amazon, is that they consider their customer the person buying stuff on Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, maybe more so now they see it a little bit more than that. But vendors and sellers, in my opinion, have not really been the customers as much as the end consumer buying toilet paper on Amazon. That's the customer. That's the customer obsession. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, Amazon rolls out these tools and they're 70% baked. They never roll out tools 100%. And so there are problems and bugs. And that's, you know, that sometimes you bang your head against the wall because you can't solve a problem because you can't advertise an item because of some problem. And there's actually a problem. You actually have to get someone at Amazon to help you fix it because the tool is broken and that's just the way it is. Um, mm-hmm. And, but that's, that's part of a, you can't, you can't roll out things and be fast unless you have some things that are going to break. And that's just the MO of working with Amazon. And that's why people in the ecosystem, you know, we have to be kind of, uh, we're able to pivot. We can, find out like how do we solve this problem how do we get to the right person and that's i think the benefit of you know working with maybe some experts that you you can find having the forums that people go to to kind of ask the questions how do you solve these things um not just being a you know eeyore to say i don't know how to solve this but you know really being curious and having a network to go find out either someone at amazon that can help you or not but to answer your question i think that you know, the vendor tools and their seller tools, they're so much better than they are, um, than they were, but they're still, you know, they're still a self-service tools. Yeah. And that's, that's the case. You've got to be inquisitive. You've got to continuously be asking questions. Um, and not always, I see it a lot where people are unhappy with something on Amazon, um, and they're either one to start to give up straight away or two, just complain. Um, as opposed to go, let me go find solutions. And if I'm looking in one place for a solution, maybe a Facebook group, um, and it's not working, look for other alternatives. So I mm-hmm. put up recently just a poll on LinkedIn of where, and you'll be the same as me, I imagine, of where do I go for opinion and thought leaders and ideas on Amazon? I go to LinkedIn personally, and it's just consultants galore, and there's like a big barrel of consultants. I use a lot for my own education as we're all discovering new things. But I think a lot of sellers perhaps are going to Facebook forums asking for help, which can be very beneficial. But if it's not working, look for other alternatives as well. Look to book in 30 minutes with someone and go, what have you discovered here? What have you Mm -hmm. noticed? Are there any workarounds? Um, Because it can be critical, particularly when you're playing with the new tools and you're on a beta um, 
I had a conversation yesterday with someone who's experimenting with a new flex beta in the UK. Amazon basically giving you their tech um, in your own warehouse, which is really cool. Um, and I was like, make sure that point of contact Amazon is fully aware of who you are and don't let him go for a long <laughs> period of time. Like keep your trust with him because if you can get on these beaters, they're so beneficial to you. But so many people, I'm sure you found it when you were there and you're rolling things out and you were still having to chase people being like, Hey, haven't heard from you. We're looking to work with you on this new tool or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you were chasing them as opposed to, you always had a couple of people who were great and would jump on things. Um, and they were the best people to work with. And they always, in my opinion, were the most successful as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, and the other thing too, a couple things to build off of that. One is, I think it's critical to have a network, like I'm sure you do. But, you know, I like to say, I may not know the answer, um, but I know where to go to find out, um, whether that's, uh, you know, an article or a person. Most likely I've got a great network of people, former Amazonians, um, people at brands, you know, just as I built my network through the years, um, that I can, you know, have on my text and ask them a question or two to find out quickly. So I think, you know, building out your network with people and resources is critical. Um, and the other thing about that, the other reason why that's so important too is that people at Amazon move around their roles so much, you know, so the person mm-hmm. that you built that r- rapport and relationship with, you know, they're often promoted and gone or they've moved to, you know, different job or even retailer place. And so that's, that's kind of the frustrating thing is that the rotation, once you finally get someone that you have a great relationship with, they've moved on to, to some new role, um, which is always the challenge. Yeah, and that, that was always the case. Um, if you can get an internal contact, brilliant. I think it's becoming increasingly hard as it becomes going more self-service. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we, so obviously Amazon is one option for e-commerce brands today. Um, and a question I've been playing a lot with recently, particularly with um, consumable brands who I've been discussing with, is in today's market, where would you launch your product first and why? I know you spend a lot of time Mm -hmm. in this, so I'm intrigued by your response. I mean, the reality is I still think that Amazon is a great place to launch a new product and learn because it has the most traffic. It has the most sophisticated tools. Um, You get early feedback with reviews and things like that. But I've been spending a lot of my time launching other marketplaces that are have, you know, creating their own self-serve ad platforms in the U.S. Instacart is, uh, you know, we just launched Instacart in, uh, the summer. And for CBGs, that's just, especially now with COVID, it's just been killing it. And so that's been a great place for people to, um, advertise and to, to show up. It's, it's a little bit different because they, they have feet, product feeds that come in from the retailers that show up on their sites, um, like a, a marketplace, but, you know, getting the distribution helps um, across some of these marketplaces for sure. But there isn't, does you, you, are you basically saying it depends massively on the type of product you're selling, what position you're at, what your financial situation in terms of the cash you've got to put into the business. Does it vary massively? Are you still saying if you're launching, you want to be looking at Amazon or are you looking at your own website first? Or is it at the same time? Or is it Instacart, Amazon website? Because you can't do them all, right? Mm-hmm. I, I still think Amazon's the best bet. I think uh, your own D2C site is, um, 
the easiest, like the reason why Amazon's so great is the barrier to entry is low. You can use, use FBA, you can learn, um, you know, it, it's a lot less expensive because all the pipings and everything is there. Um, so, you know, I think, I think it does depend on the product type. I think in the fashion cosmetic space, like social commerce is so important, like TikTok and influencers and things like that can help you get the boost that you need. Um, but I do think that Amazon's probably right now, you know, it, it's, it's low barrier to entry and it's easy for you to launch and get learnings and be able to refine your product for sure. Hey folks, it's George here. I'd like you to check out my new site, georges.blog. It's where you can find all of my famous weekly emails as well as how we can work together. To repeat, that's georges.blog. Now, let's carry on with the episode. I guess caveat to that, in my opinion, might be with CPG, where there's a lot of repeat purchase opportunity. Um, and that's obviously aim of the game for many. Launching on your own site, would that not allow you to build up some assets like a strong email list? And then when you pivot across to Amazon, let's say it's a very competitive category, you can break in more easily if you've got a lever to pull on as opposed to just having the singular lever of advertising. What do you think about that? I do, but I just think that it's so expensive to drive traffic to your site. Um, You know, you have to do a bunch of Facebook advertising and and you just have to weigh the costs of, you know, the eyeballs and traffic that you're going to be able to drive to your own site versus it already existing on Amazon and kind of paying um, to get onto page one for some keywords. You know, it, it, you just have to balance that math and, and look at the product type and the white space that you're going into. How competitive is it? You know, how many people Mm -hmm. already know about the product? So um, luckily that's not, that's not my business, so I don't have to worry about that too much. <laughs> but um, if I were a new brand, I think that, you know, it's a lot less overwhelming. Um, it, it depends on how well-funded you are. But, you know, it, that's why brands can light up on Amazon pretty easily, get those early learnings, refine the product. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that's each individual direct-to-consumer site, then you have to worry about like the shipping, you know, like offering free shipping and all those kind of things um, that customers are really come to expect. Would you, if you are launching on Amazon, and this could be more of a, a big brand who already is established or a complete new brand, would you look to launch a full range first or would you go one product at a time? What's your opinion on that? Um, you know, I think that it's, it's a lot easier when you launch uh, a small selection and build from there, you know, just in terms of the cost to, to be able to do that. Um, that's, that's typically what you see, you know, people launch a a small portfolio and then they, they go from there, um, versus launching tons and tons and seeing what works and throw things because you're limited resources and time you know, in terms of what you can do. So, uh, and I think that especially what we've seen in the U.S., there's a little bit more um, skew rationalization these days along the, you know, challenges that we've had versus kind of going bigger right now. You know, it'll all change when when things go back to normal, but that's... Yeah, no, good point. I think I agree with you. Um, My opinion is start small, make those mistakes, um, identify those hurdles that you're likely going to face in the first two, four, six weeks. 
um, and not spread yourself too thin with things like advertising as well. Um, on that advertising piece then, how important do you think it is to drive traffic from off of Amazon onto the platform rather than just focusing on something like Amazon advertising? That's a great question. I mean, I think that uh, the the savvy brands, you know, people I've seen success is, uh, you know, it depends on, on if you have a direct-to-consumer site or not and what your goals are. But, you know, I, I have seen success from brands that do drive traffic off Amazon to Amazon. So leveraging, you know, Twitter and Facebook, especially around events like Prime Day and seasonal holidays. Um, you know, people trust Amazon, it's free shipping, especially right now, like my money yeah. on, you know, not having all the shipping challenges and things like that. So certainly uh, driving traffic uh, onto Amazon. And I'm a big believer in micro influencers. I think that, uh, you know, that's how I personally shop. I, I find, you know, look at people, what they're wearing or, or buying and, and people that I kind of think are like me. And, you know, cuts through the noise and I buy those things that for the most part are found on Amazon. But again, like I said, I mean, TikTok's becoming an up and coming platform. Is that, is that big in Australia by any chance or is that? Um, I'm sure it is with certain people. I, I haven't, well, I've used it once. I was playing with podcast snippets on TikTok. Uh, I can't even pronounce the uh, TikTok. Um, but I don't know who's using it. I haven't seen many kids kind of wandering around, but then I don't, I'm probably not that observant. Um, <laughs> with that, with that micro influencer, I really like that. And an old episode, Andrew Shields talks about this in the opening part about micro influencers and discloses some cool strategies on that topic. Then what, what have you seen from the brands that you've perhaps worked with, engaged with, spoken to? that's working well in that influencer space right now, or particularly with the micro-influencers where people don't have big budgets like some listeners won't have? That's a good question. I think that um, a lot of the brands that I'm working with, they're just starting to think about this. Um, and so, you know, like in terms of how how influencers meet e-commerce, especially when it comes to platforms like Amazon. I mean, they've been working with influencers forever, um, Instagram and other things from a corporate perspective. But when you get to, you know, more of the tactics, like you think about and just really, it's been the last year or so. And I think really starting last Prime Day with uh, Amazon Live, you know, influencers and creating all the video content and things like that, um, leveraging TikTok to drive sales, either it's Walmart or Amazon. Um, you know, I think that people are just starting to think about how can they leverage these newer platforms and opportunities uh, to be able to drive traffic. So I think that, you know, no one's really cracked the nut specifically driving to e-commerce sites yet, but I think that will be a 2021. We'll see a lot more of that. And, and I know that Amazon paid search, like you can actually fund influencers more heavily, if that makes sense, um, in terms of the commissions that they can get. And so, you know, playing around with more of those functionality, those self-service tools to be able to see how that works is going to be interesting. How does that work then if you're a brand and many face this challenge of the old shiny object syndrome? There's always something new out, particularly with Amazon, particularly with Amazon advertising right now. But when you've got Amazon Live, kind of a recent thing, 
not necessarily pumping right now. When you've got Amazon mm-hmm. posts, when you've got TikTok, there are a lot of shiny objects floating around. How does a brand weigh up what they should be going after? Should they go after everything? Should they double down on one? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I definitely think that, you know, it depends on who the brand is and, and what their budgets are. But I, I never, I, I would say, test conservatively initially. So if you're able to test some things without big investments going too big and getting little wins, that's kind of the best way to do it. Like Amazon Post is free. Um, you know, some of those things that, you know, are no brainers because it's free, do those things. And, you know, it's time because everything does have a cost, which is time is a cost. But, you know, the other thing too, that's where you go back to your network and you go and find out who's doing this. How is it working? Is it working for them? Um, you know, literally ping them on LinkedIn and ask them, I saw this, did this work for you? Um, you know, things like that. So that's, that's where it's, I think it's really important to have those share groups and the networks to ask, you know, what is working, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And that's, that's where you get, you know, when you have some tighter focus groups or share groups, I'm sorry, um, you can get that kind of level of detail and information from folks. Completely agree. Um, so one final question before we go into a very brief speed round. Um, what can brands do in 2021 to create sustainable success? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think that there's two things when it comes down to it. One is having the right people in place. So whether that's, you know, the person running e-commerce at your brand, whether it's your partner's uh, consultants you hire, agencies you hire, or a combination of all those things. One is you need to have the, the, the strategy and the tactics in place. And those are people. And then you need the technology and data. So you need the right, you know, tech stack, the right ability to analyze your data and action it. So those are the, the two like critical things that you need to be you know, people are continuously assessing because the technology and tools are changing all the time. So what mm-hmm. are the best tools? What's the, you know, best, all those things that can help you uh, identify what to do. And then do you have the right team and people in place, whether it's a combination of in-house um, outsource or some hybrid of those things that you can, you can have. Um, and then plus, I always think, you know, having a network uh, is critical of those people that you can call on. Um, maybe they're not the consultants, maybe they're people that are just colleagues, peers that you can have on your speed dial, or text to be able to ask those questions of. Completely agree. Strong answer. All right, let's do a quick speed round. I've been playing with this recently. I think you're number two going through it. So let's see how we get on. Okay. Um, <laughs> I like thinking guinea pigs. Okay, no worries. You're going to be fine. What is the biggest threat to a brand selling on Amazon? What's the biggest threat to a brand selling on Amazon? Oh, goodness. Um, An expert at buying yourself time there. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many threats. I mean, the big ones are competitors. And maybe that's, you know, Amazon private label, or maybe that's someone that comes into the space that has you know, higher reviews and a lower price than you. Mm -hmm. Strong, like it. In today's world, if you had £10,000 kicking around spare, would you still start an Amazon business? No. Strong answer. (laughs) 
if you were running an Amazon business on your own, who would you hire first? Uh, I would hire a, a third-party agency. If I was running it on my own, I had limited resources. I would outsource to an agency that was an expert to give me a steroid shot in the arm before I had money to be able to hire my own team. I'll come back to that, but we'll finish the speed round with the final question. Do you think data is leveling or widening the playing field? I think it's I think it's um, widening the playing field because uh, you know the issue is we have too much data now, and so I think that people uh, are overwhelmed and they you know if you don't have a tool to be able to aggregate it, get get it into place for you, you're spending all your time downloading spreadsheets and trying to figure out what to do with the data or you're just you have too many spreadsheets on your desk trying to action all of it so Mm -hmm. i think that you know having having data is a blessing and a curse and now we have so much of it that it's uh the savvy partners the savvy you know savvy brands are are doing things with that data and the ones that you know maybe are a little bit more overwhelmed have a lot of reports on their desk not knowing how to action it I completely agree. Um, I'm just going back to that previous one about running the business on your own. You said about being in the third party agency. Which topic would you look to specialize in for that agency? Because if we, if we're being realistic to get an agency that can do everything, you're, you're spending a small fortune. Mm-hmm. So what would you narrow down on and in terms of a category of on that? Well, the way that I would look at that is what are my skill sets and strength that I'm going to do myself? Um, and that's going to be different for everyone. And what am I going to outsource that I, I don't have time to do or can't do? Um, and so that's going to be a different answer for, for a lot of people. But typically I do think that, you know, speed matters. Uh, this is a very fast market and it's also, you know, hard to, we were kind of talking about it earlier, but things change so fast and being able to stay up on everything is very hard. And so having a savvy third party that you can, you know, ask questions to or help, they can help you is, is important. And so I would, I would outsource the things that I absolutely had no skill set in. Like for me, that would be like more of the logistics supply chain side. Like that's just mm-hmm. something that I'm not an expert in as much as I am like, you know, the, the acceleration of a brand strategy and marketing and advertising side. But if I were to do that, I would um, look at a partner to be able to manage the inventory um, and things like that for me. Completely agree. No, good answer. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for your time today. We've managed to keep it short and sweet, which is a new theme. Hopefully people are enjoying it. Um, but yeah, thanks a lot. Some really, really strong answers, some interesting thought processes and, um, Given it's been so short and sweet, I'm sure we can get you on again in the future for another another session. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Cheers, Melissa. Have a good day. Hey, guys, just a quick one. If you are enjoying the podcast and either have some actionable next steps or new ideas, I'd really appreciate if you could, one, subscribe to the show and leave us a review. These are really, really important to us, as you probably know, being in the Amazon world. And two, if you're looking for additional support with your brand, head over to the website, it's alwaysday1.co.uk, where we've got links to other resources. That's all for now, guys. Speak soon.